0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, brought to you this week by Rival Fantasy. And it is the eve of my first in-season update to the top 400 prospect rankings that'll be coming to you thursday may 25th and i wanted to have dylan white from baseball america on to help me discuss some pop-up prospects as well as maybe some would you rather uh, prospect debates towards the end of the show i uh, really appreciate you joining me dylan how you doing
2: I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to be on this one of my favorite podcasts to uh, be on, but also to listen to and watch. So thanks again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Uh, I was, I had a little bit of a, an anger uh, induced moment when I was l- listening to you talk about, you know, the ad Royce Lewis uh, <laughs> off waivers in your TGFPI league when I was listening to one of your recent pods with Jeff. And so always, a. Uh, Always a good listen to the the Baseball America pod you, you guys do together. Um, it is a prospect update season, at least for me. Uh, about 90% of the way done, but wanted to talk through some guys with you. Uh, I think we're going to kind of almost start with sort of the the deeper names and work our way to sort of the more uh, shallower names as we go. Uh but I'm going to basically throw a few guys that you you sent my way at you, and and you can sort of talk about why they are they've caught your eye or they've caught RoboScout's eye uh, so far in the early going. Let's uh, do it. Let's let's start with Hunter Goodman. Uh, most of the guys we're going to talk about uh, in this first part of the show are prospects who are completely off my top 400 entering the season. Uh, Hunter Goodman was in the in the kind of the 300 to 400 range, so. That that essentially qualifies, and he's been very impressive this season. Uh, kind of a trend with some of the guys we're going to talk about. He's a, a bat-first prospect uh, all the way, and that's probably part of the reason why he wasn't super highly ranked coming into the year on real-life lists. Uh, he's seen time at designated hitter, left field, first base, and catcher in that order of appearances, so... His most appearances have come at DH, second most at, in left field, third most at first base. So Hunter Goodman's already at the bottom of the defensive spectrum. But what really stands out to you about his offensive tool set?
2: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. He's a uh, right, right, right with and at the bottom of the defensive spectrum. So he's got a very high bar that he has to clear. But he's second in Double A right now in home runs um, with 14 behind Chandler Redmond, a uh, 26 year old in the Cardinals organization who's not really a, a viable prospect. Um, and he's in the Rockies, so like if he makes it up like a, a CJ Crone type person, he could be definitely fantasy relevant. Um, he has incredible exit velocities, like they're very high. And among those with the high exit velocities that he's showing, he's got like the second highest contact rate of those. So he's kind of like, those are the two main things I like to look for uh, when I have Statcast data, I can look at it's the exit velocities and the contact rate. And then to a certain extent, chase rate, um, which is kind of like how sustainable uh, in my opinion is the the contact rate and, and how, how much can he actualize the power in game? Um, and he, he's just doing excellently. So I, I had this tool I made at, uh, when I was at prospects live, like this hitter comp tool, um, where it kind of looks at the profile of hitters, like walk rate, strikeout rate, slugging, ISO, ground ball rate, swing strike all that stuff. And then it kind of compares to who was at the same level and at the same age who had comparable numbers, just to give you kind of like a uh, a ground floor of what you could expect. Like, ha- have we seen people who've made it to the majors with that sort of profile? Um, and the closest comp actually was Matt Mervis from 2022. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's that's without looking at the Statcast data. So uh, I don't, I didn't look at Matt Mervis's um, like exit velocities and stuff. I'm sure they're they're pretty close to what Hunter Goodman's doing. Um, other comps there. Oh, and, and Matt Mervis is actually one year older than Goodman, so that's uh, a tick in the box for Hunter Goodman there. Um, the other good comps were Carrie Carpenter last year and Oscar Gonzalez the year before. So you know he's not he's not going to be. I know, a top 50 talent, but he's going to be usable. It looks like he's showing that he could be usable in fantasy. Um, I, I took a look at his contact rate, which is around 70%, and his max uh, exit velocity, which is 115 this year, um, just to see, like, who kind of has the same thing in the majors this year, just to kind of get an idea. Um, and so CJ Crone actually popped up in that same ballpark, Um Teoscar Hernandez is kind of there too. Uh, Jock Peterson. Um, so I'm not saying, or Marcelo Zuna, I think is as well. So I'm, I was trying to find uh, guys who have like right, <laughs> who bat right, right-handed. Um, so I'm not saying he's going to be those guys, but you know, it's a, it's a viable combination of tools that could work. He's in, in Colorado, which is good and bad, but also the course factor is obviously good. Um, so yeah, I mean, CJ Crone type of thing is, is kind of what I'm hoping for.
1: Yeah, that's really that's really good info. The, the one fifteen max EV. Uh, it's funny that you you said he kind of um, Matt Mervis was a comp that got generated uh, because I actually think uh, the next guy we're going to talk about uh, statistically looks very similar to me uh, to Matt Mervis. But uh, just sticking with with Goodman, uh, he's in in Hartford too, which is. Uh, pretty much the only Rockies affiliate that's not extremely hitter friendly. It's more kind of neutral. So you have the like all those guys at Spokane are putting up insane numbers, uh, but it is it's encouraging to me at least that Goodman's doing this in, in a somewhat neutral environment. And then uh, you know the the hit tool metrics that that you're kind of setting. That's really all that matters because we know we know the powers there with him. And if he just he just has to make enough contact to kind of clear that bar as the the DH slash left fielder slash first baseman, and yeah, I'm I'm fairly convinced by by what you're what you're throwing out there. Uh, where do where do you sort of in your mind kind of view him in the kind of prospect universe? Is he sort of like a borderline top one hundred guy at this point? Something like that?
2: Yeah, I uh, so Jeff Ponce and I are, are kind of working on our update to uh, fantasy-based top 100. Um, so I have put together <laughs> my first blush at it. Um, I have them at like 150-ish right now, 136 right now. Um, so yeah, I guess borderline 100, but uh, I, I own him in a couple leagues that are 400 prospects, so I think definitely should be rostered if you can. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I think 100 is a bit aggressive, especially just because it's a you know first base only type profile, maybe left field. Um, so it's you know hard, harder bar to clear. Like CJ crone was like DFA'd, and he was <laughs> he was basically available to the major league. So they're not really the most sought after um, assets in in real life base baseball. So. That kind of dings him a bit, but uh, you know if he's playing regularly and he can be CJ Crone, I think you know obviously he's he's valuable. So it's it's that hard balance to figure out where you want to put him against these guys with the high floor, or, or sorry the high ceiling, who who will you know be superstar potential versus you know kind of a, a nice solid major leaguer uh, who's on the bubble of of, of making the rosters. So. Yeah, 150. <laughs> Long story short.
1: Nice. That That's that's kind of the general range I w- <laughs> I'm i planning on slotting him as well. So uh, I, I thought you might be maybe a little higher than me, but yeah, it sounds like we're kind of on the same page there. Um, so that was Hunter Goodman with the Rockies. Uh, the next guy we're going to talk about is Nathan Martarella with the Padres, and he's the one who I, I think his, his kind of surface stats – just remind me a lot of Matt Mervis. Uh, Martarella is 22. He's at High A still. He does hit left-handed. Uh, strikeout rate is 16 and a half percent. Walking almost 16 percent of the time. Uh, what do you what do you like about uh, Martarella? I assume the the approach at the plate.
2: Yeah, definitely the approach at the plate. Um, we have some uh, NCAA Statcast data, and it was quite impressive and then he had a brief um cup of coffee in it professionally last year uh and it was also impressive what he was putting up stack cast wise so like i said earlier I like contact i like max evs or barrels or hard hit rate and and then i like chase and he is basically plus for all of those um he was plus last year um as well so i i in, in our BA preseason first base preview, um, I talked about Tyler Locklear um, as, as a breakout, as a sleeper. I think he's fairly popular right now in the prospect circles. Um, because if he you, if you plotted contact versus hard hit rate at low A last year, he clustered with uh, Junior Caminero and James Wood and Nathan Martarella. So I picked Martarella as a breakout, um, prospect breakout at first base um as part of the magazine and it's just the contact rates plus the exit velocities are plus the the chase rate is plus um he is a bit older for the level admittedly but like what we're hearing um from the padres is they love his makeup they love his his work ethic um if you compare him at high A to what Vinnie Pasquantino did, they're very, very similar. The walk rate, the strikeout rate, the ISO, the WRC+. plus. Um, so there, there's a chance he could be like the next Vinnie Pasquantino. I know people are talking about Locklear being the next Pasquantino Monsardo. I think Martorella has a really good chance of being that too. And in fact, even though he's at a lower level, I, I kind of think I have him ahead of Hunter Goodman in my ranks. I have him at like 125 right now
1: gotcha yeah uh i had i threw martarella on the top 400 at the end of last season for like the uh, heading into the off season update and then i took him off on the jan 15th update just cuz he was towards the bottom of the rankings anyways but uh yeah he was going to come back on uh, on this update uh these are very tricky uh types of players to value for for dynasty when they're you know old for the level and at the bottom of the defensive spectrum it really only takes like two cold months for no one to really care about them anymore um but that's that's kind of the rule when you're when you're a future first baseman slash designated hitter and you're already 22 23 uh, you just got to keep hitting
2: but the advantage to to taking those guys, though, that have the if they have a cold streak, you can just dump them is you can churn. You, you have yes. a spot like I always struggle to see, like, who am I going to drop to try to pick up, you know, the latest hot guy on, on RoboScout. Um, and if you have someone who's who's slumping, that's a it's an easy decision. So it actually helps me out to have someone that's kind of volatile.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, the next guy uh, is the the one um, from this first four we're going to talk about where he might be able to provide some some defensive value uh Ignacio Alvarez in Atlanta's system. He's only played shortstop this year. I know in the preseason uh BA write up uh you guys sort of had him projected to end up at third base long term. But uh I mean really the the approach at the plate here uh is, is pretty cartoonish. I know that that kind of made him a popular ad early in the season. Um, so, I mean, I guess with, with Alvarez, it's, it's easy to sort of see the hit tool here and see that as a, as a clear, um, like his top tool, uh, probably, but do you just sort of see this being kind of a Luis Arias type of prototype? Do you see him getting to more power? Um, I know you guys had a, a fringe average run grade on him, uh, you think there's a little bit more there in terms of stolen bases?
2: I think he can be like a, a 12-12 guy. Um I said on the recent pod with Jeff that if if you like Von Grissom, then you should probably like uh, Ignacio Alvarez kind of utility all over the infield can play. They're trying him out at short. It, not the like incredible power, not incredible speed, but you know, solid. Good, good uh, batting average, good OBP. So I think I think he's solid. I think I I, I I mentioned when I was on your pod uh, last year that uh, I, I have trouble with the Von Grissoms. I have trouble with those like 12-12 with good batting average, like uh, Angel Martinez or Leover Verpagero. I'm always like, yeah, they don't have that like huge tool that I want, but I, I, I've kind of turned the corner on that and I kind of like them. So Jordan Rosenblum, who I kind of co-manage with uh, an OC and uh, who is, you know, one of the founders of Scout the Statline, who you had on a couple of weeks ago. Um, he really likes Ignacio Alvarez. And so I kept my eye on him. So last year he had uh, 70 plate appearances, I think. And, you know, he had all the good stuff we want, the pitch recognition, the swing decisions, the walk, strikeout rate, all that stuff. Um, But I I just kept my eye on him to see if he could carry it through. And he's definitely carrying it through this year. I have him as the third highest projected OBP uh, at the level. Uh, It's high A, right? Um, Yep. Yeah, high A uh, behind Jackson Holiday and uh, Carter Jensen, the uh, catcher for the Royals, who has a 27% walk rate right now. Um, so high OBP for the level. Obviously, he's also one of the youngest, like 15% of the league. I think he was like the fourth youngest in the South Atlantic League when the season started. Um, Roboscout loves that stuff. So like doing well, doing average or better at at a at a young level, uh, it really likes. Um, He is a bit passive, so he doesn't chase, but he is a bit passive. And I I think if you have a 20% walk rate, you probably are passive. Uh, I ran that comp tool on him as well. uh, And his closest comps, and they weren't that close. They weren't as close as Mervis to to Goodman, but were Tyler Black from last year um, and Alejandro Kirk. So... Not that surprising, you know, really good walk rates, uh, low strikeout, rate, good contact, all that stuff, and not incredible, like, home run totals or anything. But, yeah, I like Alvarez. I have him in a couple places. Uh, I'm not sure what he will become, um, just because he doesn't have that huge, like, power, pow- huge speed. Um, and I think I have him... Let me check here on my... Where I have him. Yeah, I have him in the same, basically the same spot as and good might have him, like, the 130 to 150 range right now.
1: Yeah, I mean I think there to me there are a couple differences between him and Vaughn Grissom, one positive, one negative. Uh the the positive is that there's already much stronger defensive reports on Alvarez than Grissom. So like I think you could there there's more of a chance probably at this point in their development that Alvarez could handle shortstop than Grissom could. And then On the the negative side for Alvarez, I do think I I did think more of Grissom's power potential kind of at the same stage than uh, Alvarez. Uh, Part of that is just how passive Alvarez is at the plate. But, um, you know, Grissom, it's not like he was hitting, it's not like he projected to be like a 25 homer guy when he was in the lower levels, but you could at least easily make a case that he was going to be a 15 homer guy. And with Alvarez, you really need to sort of um, stuff has to sort of change in the profile for him to kind of get to 15 homer power. Do you think that's, is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Cool. Um, okay. We got uh, one more of these guys uh, and then we'll head to a quick break, but uh, another kind of like uh Hunter Goodman, although, he's still playing the majority of his games at catcher, but uh, Tyron Lorenzo with the Dodgers, uh, he's at uh, low A, I want to say, and he's really doing a ton of damage at the plate. Um, He's also played uh, DH in first base in addition, addition to catcher. Um, part of that is just Dodgers. The Dodgers always seem to have multiple good catchers on all their teams. So even if they think a guy's going to stick at catcher, you could see them giving them starts at other positions, but, uh, you know, Lorenzo seems like it's going
2: to be his bat that really kind of carries him. Yeah, I, I mean, one of the the great things about being a BA is just the, the wealth of knowledge and information <laughs> I have at my disposal. So I can just like ask Kyle Glazer, like, what's he hearing uh, on uh, these Dodger prospects or uh, has he seen these Dodger prospects? And uh, so like he helped me in my latest RoboScan article with the Austin Gauthier and Kyle Hurt uh, stuff. But he he likes Tyron Lorenzo. I asked him, uh, what's what's he think of him? And he says he's good. He actually thinks he, he has a good chance to stick behind the plate, even though he's a bit he's a bit stout. Um, so that's good. I kind of like that, obviously, that you want these catchers that are going to stick a catcher. So I was actually a bit lukewarm on uh, on Lorenzo coming in to this podcast before I started doing my research. Um, there's a as we know, there's this catcher renaissance of all these great catching prospects. And even at low A, there's this year, like Samuel Basalo, Creed Willems, breaking out Moises Palastros, uh, for well, the Cubs, even though he those, probably won't be those
1: three guys <laughs> almost assuredly won't stick a catcher.
2: Well, I think Basalo has a chance to stick a catcher. Actually. I, I uh, from what I'm hearing, the Orioles really love his arm. Um, and, and they like his defense and what he's been working on. So I think Basalo has a chance to stick for sure. Um, but yeah. Anyway, as I dug into the Lorenzo, um, just he has a—he's a very low contact rate. He's a lot of swing and miss. It's like below sixty percent. Um, so that obviously has to be worked on. But he has a one sixty three WRC plus, um, which is fourth amongst teenagers. Uh, Jackson Holiday, who's no longer at low A. Ryan Clifford, who's no longer at a, low a. and then Carlos Jorge are the are the only teenagers who have a higher WRC plus at the level. Um, his exit velocities are excellent. I ran, he, he has, sorry, he's second in, in, in the level in home runs with 11 behind another Dodger, Chris Newell. Uh, but don't get too excited about Chris Newell, (laughs) even though he's a Dodger. Um, he's 22. Uh, but when I ran the cop tool on the Ronzo with the huge power and, and the, the contact rate and strikeout rates, he, his best matches, and this kind of blew me away. Um, were Diego Cartaya in 2021, same age, same level, same organization, same position. Uh, and Diego Cartaya in 2022. So it's like that kind of got opened my eyes at the, the event with the strikeout rate, um, being that high, like he, he's projecting very closely to Cartaya there. Um, and even has better like swinging strike rates and higher walk rates. So, um, I'm I'm pumping the brakes a bit. (laughs) He's not Diego Cartaya, but it definitely got me sitting up in my chair when I saw that. Um, Sounds like the Dodgers do like him. Lorenzo as well. Um, I don't know where he's going to play with Cartaya and Will Smith and Dalton rushing. um, Yainer Fernandez even um, though he may move to second. Um, Yeah, but I, I like Lorenzo. I think he's definitely worth taking a shot on. Um, I think he should definitely be in a 400. I don't think he's near the 100 level, but you know, in the 200 levels, maybe just to, just to see how he does. Um, obviously keep an eye on the strikeout rate and the, and the, you know, the swinging strike and contact rate to see if he can get exploited as he, as he moves up from, from low A, which doesn't have the greatest pitching, um, but definitely someone to, you know, one of those volatile guys where you can, you pick him up. And then uh, if he goes in a big slump, you know, you don't have too many qualms about dropping him.
1: Yeah. Kartaya, Cartier- has, uh, struggled after the bump to double a, which, um, maybe not that surprising, uh, Lorenzo is, uh, with the strikeout rate with him, is that more an issue of, um, you know, chasing being passive, like what are, what are the things he needs to work on in terms of the, the hit tool?
2: It's not the chase. The chase rate is actually average. So it and uh looking at his like his swing rate to chase rate like the swing minus o type thing. Um he's he's swinging at at pitches in the zone. So like he it's like kind of grip it and rip it. I think he's just like really just trying to make incredible contact. Okay. That's my that's my take as a as a non scout. Um he's not chasing. Like he's got a pretty good eye. He's just he's just missing um when he's swing from the heels there. So but i mean to end up with a wrc plus of 163 and it's like 140 plate appearances uh, 11 home runs like he he's making enough contact to you know over, overcome the uh, he's making enough contact quality to overcome the contact rate so we'll, we'll see we'll see have to have to see as as he gets promoted because it's definitely something that could be exploited but uh you know i like what i see right now
1: yeah and then you mentioned basalo briefly um you know i was more kind of inferring that Adley Rutschman's going to be their catcher. Oh. <laughs> and if they want to get Basalo's bat in the lineup, it'll be somewhere else. But he's uh, Basalo, actually, he's going to be kind of like a borderline top 150 guy for me. So I, I love the bat there. Um, and we are going to head to a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Dylan White's going to touch on a few more pop-up guys that he's noticed this season. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played. And they've bought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include fantasy bingo, head-to-head player challenges, and fantasy book where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, daily fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code ROTOWIREMLB at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. All right, Dylan, we're back. Uh got some quick hitters here for you uh i met, i heard you kind of talking about connor phillips on a recent podcast uh phillips of course in the reds organization he's just one of these guys with where the stuff is is outrageous and there's you know not a ton of certainty that he's a, a starter long term uh but he does have the walk rate down to a career best 11 this year um so how How bullish are you or
2: optimistic are you on Connor Phillips? Uh, I'm actually pretty optimistic. I I had always kind of um, dismissed him, I guess, because of that high walk rate. Um, But just looking at the stack I say that you're talking about, the stuff is just ridiculous. uh, The four seamers, 96, touching 98, but the induced vertical break is like over 21 inches, which is extremely, extremely high. So his VAA is very flat. He throws it 67% of the time, which, uh, you know, I wish he was a bit less because uh, of his secondary. I wish he had more secondaries that he could rely on. And the curveball is incredible too. It's uh low eighties with over a foot of sweep and like over a foot and a half of, of dive or spike, whatever you want to call it, like negative IVB. Um, and he throws it hard. And there's the amount of movement on it at that velocity is like, it's, basically there isn't much in the majors that's that's similar at all um there's like seth lugo has as much movement but he throws it three miles an hour slower i think matt brash is is close to um but i I don't have it in front of me but when you plot kind of like velocity and then like overall movement and horizontal or vertical like he's at the edges of the clusters of of the cloud of of uh scatter plots um so the question is, can he stick it at starter? And you know, is the command is the command the problem there? Um, and when I looked at his his level, his age, double A, um, has anyone had a strikeout rate of like thirty seven percent with a walk rate of eleven percent? And there are some numbers, sort of some names in there that that actually were optimistic. So Dylan Cease in twenty eighteen at the same age had a thirty nine percent K rate and an eleven percent walk rate. Ah, uh, Christian Christian Javier of the Astros in 2019 had a 39% K rate and a 13% walk rate, um, and Lance McCullers, one year younger, uh, had a 37% walk uh, strikeout rate and 11% walk rate. So all these people had very similar, you know, strikeout, walk, and strikeout minus walk rates at the same age in Double A, and they're viable starters in the major. So it's not a death sentence. That's what I wrote in a couple of weeks ago that it was it kind of opened my eyes again, like doing these deep, these deep dives and and looking at comps and seeing like historical um, has, has this happened before? Are there any precedents Um, kind of opened my eyes that uh, I think he has a chance to make it as a starter. If he continues honing his craft, he's in, he's in the Southern league now with that, that pre-tech ball. So, you know, some of these, these numbers, including the metrics, the stuff metrics, you know, taken with a grain of salt. Um, But I think the walk rates have gone up. In the Southern League, because mm-hmm. because of the ball, right? It's like he can't really <laughs> control where it's going because you know it's unexpectedly uh, doing all that stuff that the pre tack ball is doing. So um, I'm kind of optimistic. We see Andrew Abbott, you, you know, your favorite name to discuss the last month or so. <laughs> he has he has succeeded in AAA, um, and so like obviously his stuff wasn't re- only reliant solely reliant on the on the ball. So I kind of hope the same thing for Connor Phillips. They they the Reds need. Starters. Um, I expect Abbott to be up soon. I expect Connor Phillips to be in a soon. So I I didn't have him in my 400. Connor Phillips. Um, I think you had him at the back end too. But now I have him like pushing top 100 just because of the just the ceiling from the stuff. I can just see him being just a dominant pitcher um in the bullpen or an inconsistently uh, enigmatic starter like Dylan Cease or Lance McCullers. Um, as a starter. So it's, he's very compelling. It's the type of guy I want to take a shot on just because the stuff is so good. He's not, he's not uh, surviving on pitchability, ability, which uh, you know, to me is a bit more iffy.
1: How would you, how would you rank uh, Phillips with uh, Ben Brown and Andrew Abbott?
2: I think I have Abbott ahead of Phillips. Um, I think I got Phillips ahead of Brown. Or they very, they're very—they're in the, the kind of the same area, like the the 110, 120 area. Um, I know that that's probably a, a hot take. I think Ben Brown is kind of uh, one of the most uh, more more talked about AAA pitchers right now. I guess because he's one of the guys who may come up and help redraft players. Uh, one of the sole remaining guys, other than Gavin Williams. Um, but I think I kind of like Connor Phillips. Yeah, I mean he
1: Phillips had really uh high grades on his pitches coming into the year so you know unlike andrew abbott so like the the double a uh the southern league stuff it it's you know i we were, we were expecting phillips stuff to be great this year um coming into the year so um yeah i mean the the increase or the the decreased uh, walk rate is is encouraging and as you mentioned like a lot of the times with the guys with the the best stuff, the control can be the last thing to come as to kind of like finish the development as a starting pitcher. So, uh, I like the Phillips call there. Uh, what about, uh, Chase Hampton and Will Warren in the Yankees org? Uh, Warren was a guy that was fairly highly ranked in that system coming into the year. Hampton, a bit more of a pop-up guy.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, the consensus is Warren is the guy. I, I think he's in AAA now, right? Yep. Um, but I kind of like Hampton. I, uh, I, yeah, so Hampton has a, um, this might be old. This is from a couple of days ago, but uh, 40% strikeout rate, 9% walk rate. Um, he's in high A. So, you know, obviously that's not as good as Will Warren, but looking at his data, it's kind of Connor Phillips-esque. Um, the curve's maybe not as good. Um And the, and the, the fastball is probably not as good, but it also has like 20 inches of IVB and it's very flat. Um, the curveball has a lot of velocity, um, and move and movement. Like it's kind of in the same ballpark as like George Kirby, Walker Bueller, um, in terms of speed and, and movement. So I, I like it a lot. Um, I, I especially like it because he's, he's kind of lesser known, like Will Warren, people know who Will Warren is, um, if you're trying to trade for Will Warren, it's going to be difficult um, because of the Yankee premium and you see so close to the majors compared to Hampton. But uh, yeah, I just, the, the stuff plus underneath for Hampton, I really like uh, it's well above average. Let me sorry, I'm just checking out what Will Warren is at. Yeah, I think the stuff plus actually is higher than Will Warren's. Um, so I, I guess in a vacuum, it should be Warren because he's doing this kind of the same thing Hampton's doing, but at a higher level. Um, But I just, in my my heart, I like Chase Hampton and his his potential and his future more, probably because because of the cost.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, you could probably, I bet 90% of the people listening to this could pick up Chase Hampton in their Dynasty League right now. Um, So that part's nice. And he's got less pro track record than Warren, but he's also, that almost sort of means there's kind of more kind of unknown heights to sort of how high you can climb um, when you only made six pro starts and they've been this this good. Uh, last two guys quickly before we get to some some would-you-rather. Uh, Leonardo Bernal, another catcher, uh, and then Orion Kirkering, uh, this week's, or this uh, pod's token reliever. Uh, I like talking about at least one reliever with you whenever I have you on.
2: Yeah, so who do you want me to do first? Bernal, let's do uh, Bernal.
1: Well, I these I saved these two for last because to me they were the most boring. So um, who whoever you think is the least boring of the two I've decided
2: are the two most boring. <laughs> um uh, let's do Bernal. Okay. Since we talked about it, we have a contact. He's a catcher in high A, so same with Lorenzo, same with uh, Basalo, same with Creed oh, Willems. All right.
1: Um at it, at at Lowe, right.
2: Yeah. loe sorry, sorry, yes. Um also a teenager. He's just he's he was in one of my breakouts. Last year he was good. Um but I didn't pick him up anywhere because no one was really talking about him. I couldn't get a get a read on, uh, you know, what the Cardinals thought, etc. But this year he's kind of followed through. He actually is rated higher in RoboScout than than Tyron uh, Lorenzo. Um his contact rates plus, his exit velocities are plus. His chase is, is average. Um, Sounds like he's good defensively. sounds like the Cardinals like him. Um, Like I said, he's a teenager. So he's someone I have, I I have him uh, more than I have of Lorenzo. Um, But I think it's going to be a little bit more boring. He's not, he's going to have, you know, maybe 20 home run power. Whereas, you know, Lorenzo is kind of showing the ability for maybe 30 home runs. Um, But Bernal will probably have better, you know, batting average in OBP. So, that was a bit of a boring one, but, uh, another name I really like another catcher, <laughs> a low A catcher I, in my, in my sleeper article, um, for BA, I, I mentioned that if he makes it to high A as a 19 year old, which I think is quite likely, mm-hmm. um, that's you know, the same progression as Francisco Alvarez being 19, uh, in high A. So it's, uh, well, I mean, it's, it'll probably be the same with Lorenzo. And it's probably the same with, with Basala, who's actually a year younger, but, uh, so it, it's, it's not unprecedented, but it's quite impressive to be, you know, a teenager at high A as a catcher, um, especially for an organization who values um, the, the importance of the catcher position, like the Cardinals do and the Dodgers.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, I buy everything you're selling. It's just kind of a, how long do I have to wait for this guy that's got like 20 homer upside, you know? Um, but I, there's a, there's a place for guys like that in, in
2: certain dynasty leagues. Yeah. In a 20 team, two catcher league, I have them in yeah. a 15 team, uh, two catcher. I don't in a 20 team, one catcher league. I don't It's So it's all kind of depends on the, the league yep. construction and the format. Like, do you want to wait for a catcher for three years? Uh, if you, if you have a roster 40, then yeah, probably, but if you only have to roster 15, then definitely not. Yep, exactly.
1: And then, uh, Kirkering, I, I
2: love talking relievers, but I mean, he's, he's at high A. He is at high A, but he throws, he touches 100. His, his NCAA stuff plus last year, was it last year? Was eye popping as well. It was one of the top ones. It was like in the Ben Joyce kind of area. Um, The Phillies were talking about him possibly making it like knocking on the door of the majors this year. I don't think that's possible. Um, But, it's the, the fastball is excellent. The slider is almost as good. It's just dominant, especially at low A. He was extremely dominant. Oh, yeah, I don't have a read on him yet, but uh, yeah, if, if you, if you like to invest in potential closers like Ben Joyce, um, I think Orion Kirkering or Kirk, Kirkering, Kirk I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's a cool name. Nonetheless, um, I think he's, he's a good, good one to invest in.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> Was I was it a recent Robo Scout article where uh, you mentioned Nick Robertson with the Dodgers? Am I remembering that correctly?
2: Uh, I may have. He may. He's in the top, whatever. Yeah. I sure. don't. I don't think I wrote about him, but I. He was listed.
1: He's a. He's a recent reliever who's who's caught my eye. He's at least at AAA, but I. I, I I'm sure Kirk Ring has better stuff. Um, okay, so. We've got the pop-up guys. Any any other pop-up guys? Anyone that you want to talk about before we get to my uh, my three player battles?
2: Uh, no, no, that's good. You've, cool. Uh...
1: Um, so I'm gonna work uh, kind of down my ranks here, and I, I basically put together uh, some players who I have ranked very close to each other for tomorrow's update. And I wanted to get your take on whether they should be that close, whether you see a a clear uh, player that you would prefer to have in Dynasty. And uh, we'll start with a couple of bigger names. Uh, Luis Matos, who recently hit his way to AAA. And Luis Angel Acuna, who just continues to make kind of subtle improvements every single year and just keeps inching closer to the big leagues. Uh, who do you like more at uh, Luis Matos and Luis Angel Acuna?
2: If you asked me before the season, it would have been Acuna uh, pretty much unanimously, but now it's actually Matos. Um, I have Matos in the top 30 on my, my latest one. He's just, he's improved so substantially in the contact and the strikeout rate. Um, and even the chase rate, he always would make contact, but he was chasing. That was kind of the, the, the issue. But this year, he's reined it all in. He's he's actually number one, actually number two, ranked at AA for me behind Henry Davis, Luis Matos. Angel Acuna is down in like the 20s. Um, Just the strikeout rate at AA is 9% compared to Acuna's 22%. Um, The contact rate's like 10% higher. Uh, The chase rate's 10% better. Um, I, I like Acuna's speed. Um, I just like Matos as like a, just a well-rounded, you know, power-speed guy who's now showing that he's got the, you know, maybe the hit tool um, to to uh, complement all that. And Triple A, twenty-one years old, like uh, I, I like that too. So I, I have Matos higher. I have about 40, 40 spots higher than Acuna. Both of them in my top one hundred.
1: Yeah. So I've got. Uh, I also have Matos top thirty, and then uh, Acuna. Uh, just outside the top 30. So I think we're in agreement on Matos. I'm maybe just a bit higher on Acuna. Um, But uh, yeah, that that makes sense. Um, You know, with, with Acuna, there's a, he's getting close enough to the majors where you can sort of start looking at where's he going to play. But I, you know, I, I think that he's such a good athlete that there'll, there'll be a spot somewhere for him. Um, just seems like, yeah, it just seems like the quality of his contact has has gotten, um, better every year. Maybe, maybe I'm a tiny bit too high on Acuna though. I um, mean,
2: his, his 90th percentile X are higher than Matos. He, he's like over 105 miles an hour. Um, he has a high ground ball rate. That's kind of right. part of it. So, like, he's got the raw power. It's just like, will it, will it manifest in games? I, I see him like 15 home runs, 25 stolen bases, which is obviously excellent. <laughs> uh, and if he's playing shortstop, um, you know, someone you want. I just, I like kind of Matos's well roundedness. I know it's recency bias because last year I was off Matos and it's only been, you know, 130 plate appearances, but it just, everything seems to be clicking right now. Um, and he just, 21 in AAA. I know Acuna is also 21, but, but in Double A. but it's just I don't know. I, I'm leaning Matos.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm with you. Um, and yeah, Acuna 18 for 18 on stolen base attempts. Um, uh, what what else was I going to say? I'll oh, slip my mind. Um, okay. On to the next one. These guys were both uh, outside my top 100 entering the year, and they've just mashed their way into into the top 50 for my update tomorrow. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio with the Mets and Heston Kirstead with the Orioles. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have like 10 Orioles hitters in my top 50. <laughs> um, but who do you prefer out of Ronnie Mauricio and Heston Kierstead?
2: I, I went Mauricio, um, I have him in the top twenty five actually now. Same same story as Matos. He, I was off Mauricio. I barely wanted him in my one hundred before the season. Just I just felt his his uh, his reputation was was carrying him, and he wasn't really doing anything um, production wise. But he's he's two years younger than Kirstad. Um, he has speed as well. Um, And the contact rate's actually quite good considering he chases 40% of the time. It's just like the exit velocities are just ridiculous for someone so young. Um, 22 at triple I know everyone obviously talks about the chase rate. Um, So, and I've said it many, many times before, but a chase rate of 40%, 75% contact rate, but with exit velocity, like a max EV and like 115 miles an hour um, as a 22 year old, like, it can work. Like Sal Perez, Javi Baez, Ryan Mountcastle all have high chase rates, like above 40%. Um and Mauricio's exit velocities are as good, if not better, than those guys too, uh, albeit at triple A, not the majors. So I like Mauricio a lot. I think his ceiling is really high. Um, I think they're the bets are playing him at second base now. Um, so I think they, you know, that kind of means they believe in his near-term future in the majors. Um And like I said, only 22 at doing this sort of thing at at AAA is uh, uh, you you can't really (laughs) you can't really argue with it, even though um, he has only done it for, you know, maybe 200 plate appearances this year. Um, Kirstad, I also have him in the top 60. Um, Great story. Glad he's coming back. And I'm glad he's like just pounding the ball like he is. Um, It's just it's the age factor um, and having the speed. Uh, I have Mauricio ahead of Kirstad.
1: Yeah, I I have Mauricio ahead as well. Uh, It's He's just, you know, Mauricio, I I think I've said this before, but he's the kind of poster child for when people talk about sort of how projectable a 16- or 17-year-old prospect's frame is when they sign. Like Mauricio has just completely filled out his 6'3 frame and now he like he went from looking like a like a skinny shortstop to now he just looks like a cleanup hitter. Um, I don't know how much he's going to actually run though. Like I know he runs sure. in the minors. Uh, I you know w- we'll see. I guess I I haven't really seen any run grades on Mauricio that make me think he's going to run the Mets. You know it's it's pretty much like Starling Marte who gets the green light. Uh. know lindor's got like four steals but um i don't know if the running is going to be a huge edge for mauricio and then obviously like you said with Kierstead, like it's a great story i don't know like i know any statistical model doesn't really know why he's 24 and at double a but like we all do um so i don't i don't really want to hold that against him because he's you know he's kind of like 22 in baseball years um just given how much time he missed uh i don't know do you have any do you have any thoughts on just the the how to handle that sort of age thing with a guy where it's it's not like he was just at low a for multiple years and just couldn't hit his way out of there he was just not playing
2: yeah there's definitely that angle um so it's not like he's doing poorly for someone who what they should be doing at the age of 24 in double-A. But at the same time, it's not like that pushes his prime years to now age 29 instead of age 27. Um, So his, his peak is going to come sooner. Um, And maybe because he's behind on development, um, it may not be as high. So I totally understand what you're saying, but I also think there's the other side. Uh, I agree on the Mauricio. Like I don't expect, you know, 20 stolen bases or anything. I have him at uh, 20 home runs, 11 stolen bases with a WRC plus of 110 is kind of what my projection modely thing shows. So, yeah, I agree. He's not like a 2020 guy. Um, but Kier said I have at five stolen bases. Yeah. So, it's, okay. you know, that's why that's why I'm saying that, you know, the speed factor is another nudge in the direction of, of Mauricio.
1: Do you have a, I, I saw you tweeting about uh, Mark Vientos the other day. Do you have a? Is it clearly Mauricio over Vientos in that org?
2: I think so, just because he has a position <laughs> right, that they kind of want to play him at. Um, Vientos and Mauricio are kind of like back-to-back on a RoboScout uh, for AAA. I have Vientos' power is higher, um, probably as expected. Um, Vientos is kind of looking a lot like what Nolan Gorman was looking, at, looking like last year in RoboScout, like, high, like one of the highest home run rates in AAA and... Um, is he going to be able to play? So I have them kind of close, but as a prospect, I think uh, it would be Mauricio over Vientos.
1: Yeah, same. Uh, one one note on Vientos, like I, sometimes I, I look at the, uh, you know, on Fangraphs, they have that like speed score. Um, Vientos, is, <laughs> he's got, he's basically like a one, he's basically like a 1.0 speed score, <laughs> um, which is, yeah, it's about his, as low as you'll see, uh, but that both these guys, you know, like Vientos, Kierstad, you know, other Orioles, uh, even Mauricio, maybe like they all, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing some of these guys get traded at the deadline. Uh, just doesn't doesn't seem like the Mets have room for all these guys. I know the Orioles don't have room for all their guys, uh, even if we assume like forty percent of them just bust. Um, so hopefully. Hopefully something kind of shakes free, uh, with, with these two teams in the next like year or so. Cause I I would like to see Vientos playing every day. I would like to see Mauricio playing every
2: day. I I totally agree. Do you, do you have Vientos ahead of Cursad or you have Kursat ahead of Vientos?
1: I have, uh, I have Cursad ahead of Vientos. Um, I have Vientos kind of, you know, more in the kind of 65 ish range, um, And, you know, part of it is just the playing time uncertainty and the defensive limitations. It's like, you know, a lot of the times this stuff sort of sorts itself out, but most teams have someone, you know, most teams have their own Mark Vientos who can't play anywhere other than DH and first base. And so it's not, it's not a guarantee that he'll find his way into everyday playing time, but i I wouldn't put him in the top 100 if I didn't think there was a decent chance that it eventually kind of shakes out. Okay. Uh, We got one more for you, Dylan. And I don't know. I think, I don't know what it is about these two. It's probably like their age and the fact that they're in really good orgs. Uh, But Johnny DeLuca with the Dodgers, Justin Dearden with the Astros, Uh, they were sleepers coming into the year. And I know Dearden got off to a slow start, but he's right at the ship. Uh, DeLuca uh, got the bump to AAA recently. Uh, who do you like more out of DeLuca and
2: Dearden? I like DeLuca better. I have Dearden in a couple spots, and I was trying to get DeLuca um, from friend of the pod, Brian Slack, um, and in my other leagues. And no one would, would give him to me. Um Dearden's just been a disappointment. I know he's righted the ship slightly, but it's like still in, in, in aggregate, his, his performance has not been good at all. Um, I, I checked steamer before this, before the podcast, they have him at a uh, 90 WRC plus projection Dearden and DeLuca at one Oh two. And that was like DeLuca was basically only playing at double A at the time. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I like DeLuca, I think because of the Outman factor that Outman kind of over overperforming his expectations is kind of biasing me and the DeLuca thing because, you know, I assume that DeLuca probably will too. Uh, all these Dodgers who outperform. Um, I have DeLuca at 25 home runs, 15 stolen bases. Um, the, the, the plus speed that he has, like, it's just very tantalizing. He's yep. a good outfielder. I think he's playing all out- outfield positions too, DeLuca. Um, I know Dearden could also play center, but I just, I don't, I just like DeLuca, he's just like a solid player. It's like the a Dodger guy. Um, I, I have DeLuca ahead of Dearden, but actually probably like a hundred slots actually now.
1: Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. You you were saying Dearden projects as like a below league average hitter. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess his, uh, his age is going to work against him, and uh, you know, slow start to the year at AAA. Uh, man, I don't know. I, I kind of see. I see Dearden playing sooner than I see DeLuca playing. Um, hmm, that's tough. Yeah, I, I didn't think you'd have them that far apart. Um, I've got them like right next to each other, but. Uh, maybe I'm too high on Dearden. I mean, I'm, I'm
2: fickle. So <laughs> I, 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 if they're not producing, I, I, I drop them in my ranks, but I, at the same time I hedge, I, I still have Dearden on my teams. Like, so I, I like these guys, like the Dearden, Tyler Gentry, Carrie Carpenter, Jack Suwinski Matt Wallner. all these guys who are doing well, should project reasonably well. If they get the playing time, they'll, they'll be, you know, solid contributors. Um, and sometimes it works. Like, Sawinski looks like it's working. Carrie Carpenter, it's kind of working. Um, and then sometimes it doesn't. So I actually dropped Gentry in one league, and someone picked him up for 150 bucks immediately. Uh, that Rob DiPietro, DiPietro and uh, Ryan Bonancio, their team. Um, still holding on to Dearden, though. So uh, I don't know what I'm, why I'm telling that reference, but uh, it's in my ranks, I'll have him low, and I'll say definitely DeLuca over Dearden, but I'm still too scared to drop Dearden because, you know, I also dropped Lars Newbar and Jake McCarthy, um, who I also kind of put in the same area where, you know, they're doing well in, in the high levels of the minors, but I, I don't really see they're getting playtime. And then, of course, I regret it when I drop them. So I don't know what I'm saying other than I like DeLuca better than Dearden on paper, but I'm, I'm still too afraid to, to, I wouldn't trade Dearden for DeLuca necessarily unless, you know, there's other pieces involved that kind of soften the blow for me.
1: Yeah, you're you're just you're name dropping all these uh these heavyweights. Uh big time Homer pickup by Venancio to go grab gentry for that much. I I would (laughs) I'd feel fine dropping gentry too. Um dude, when we when we say friend of the pod, Brian Slack, like is that is that just becoming a bit at this point? Like he he doesn't, he doesn't go on our pods Um, and he doesn't listen to them either, but, uh... (laughs) but uh, we, we wish that he was a friend of our pods, but he's, uh, he's just kind of doing his own thing. Um, All right. This has been great. Uh, Anything you want to mention that, I mean, I I feel like you guys are just putting out so much stuff over at BA.
2: It's hard to keep track of it, but
1: uh, what are you working on specifically?
2: Well, we're working on this Fantasy Top 100 and trying to figure out when to when to release it. Either it's going to be in a couple days or it's going to be pushed back a couple weeks because uh, a whole bunch of other BA content is going to come out and compete with us, uh, cannibalize us, as it were. Um, we have our Dynasty 600 update going to be in a couple of weeks. Um, I do my RoboScout articles every week. Um, got our hands on some NCAA data, which I may be kind of running through the RoboScout model to see if it shows out anything compelling um just trying to help out the whole team um but yeah just continue to pump out the fantasy content at ba and uh do my thing
1: awesome man well definitely recommend subscribing to ba i can't imagine why anyone listening to this pod wouldn't have a ba subscription but you definitely got to have one uh definitely follow dylan on twitter uh multiple underscores in between the and arrival <laughs> uh really appreciate you joining me man Uh, this was a lot of fun
2: always a pleasure i'll come on anytime awesome
1: this has been the rotowire prospect podcast brought to you by rival fantasy